the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 5850. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed, hour number two underway now at eight minutes past ten o'clock on this Tuesday, the 23rd morning of the 10th month in the year of our Lord, 2018. Appreciate you being with us. Dr. Sebastian Gorka is a military and intelligence analyst. He was a deputy assistant to President Donald Trump in 2017. He is now a pundit and an analyst for Fox News and many other agencies. He is also an accomplished writer and columnist. He joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Dr. Gorka, pleasure to have you back on the air here in Cleveland. How are you, sir? Great to be back on the show. Thank you for having me. I want to talk to you, Dr. Gorka, about uh, your op-ed about the media's obsession with, and it's, um, quite frankly, it's irresponsible reporting, uh, in my view, of the death of uh, Jamal Khashoggi, Khashoggi or Khashoggi. You made a point of the pronunciation of that in your piece. But before I talk... Khashoggi, thank you. And, I, and I've heard it pronounced, like I said, three different ways. But before I get there, Dr. Gorka, I want to thank you for what you did yesterday on uh, on Sean Hannity's show as you appeared uh, opposite uh, Geraldo Rivera. I was, like you, just astounded listening to Geraldo Rivera essentially defend this this um, uh, this this march of of invaders northward from Central America through Mexico to the United States. You know, we continue to refer to this caravan as a caravan of migrants, but they're marching under a Honduran flag. We don't know where they all come from. We don't know what all of their intentions are when they get to the United States. And Geraldo Rivera acted as if we should have open borders and welcome these people because they're all glorious people with open arms. And I was so happy to hear you stand up to him the way you did. And I wanted to thank you for that. Well, that's very kind. Uh, Geraldo is a colleague of mine at, at Fox News. Uh, I think he's a compassionate man. He's a good man. But, but on this, he's absolutely and utterly wrong. The, a, the idea that 
you know, he can identify, he, Geraldo Rivera, can identify who the MS-13 guys are because they all have tattoos. That, that's just childish. And, and secondly, this idea, you know, at the, if, you, if you watch the whole interview, and it's up on my Twitter feed, at Seb Gorka, uh, you can see that he really thinks all of these people deserve to come to America because of the state that their countries are in. And my argument was a very simple one. And you know, this is one of the things, you know, the principles that I include in my book, my new book, Why We Fight. Being an American or coming to America is not a right. It's a privilege. I'm an immigrant. I'm a legal immigrant. I'm blessed to be a national, the greatest nation on God's earth. But that's a privilege. And if we allow anybody who wants to come here, there are 7 billion people in the world America will cease to exist. It's really that simple. Yeah, I completely concur. And, um, you know, the notion that they, they are essentially doing this by force, Dr. Gorka, and this is what is so frustrating to me. Um, they're going to come to the southern border and they're going to make claims of asylum that they absolutely have, that have absolutely no merit whatsoever because they have to prove that they're being persecuted by the government based upon their uh their religion their race their nationality their political opinion or their social group they have none of the above all they are doing is seeking better economic opportunity which is fine a lot of people want to come to the united states for economic opportunities but they do so legally rather than by force smashing through barricades at the southern border with mexico and guatemala and then essentially attempting to do the same thing at the southern border of the united states that's what cannot be allowed no, it's absolutely right. If you are uh, in fear of your life, if you are a political dissident, then there are conditions under which you can come to the United States, but you must do it legally through the regular channels, and there must be evidence of your persecution in another country. And also, the insanity of all of this is, if you're coming from South America, the rules of international asylum seekers are that you apply for, for asylee status in the first country you arrive at after you leave your country. So the idea is they're walking thousands of miles, crossing multiple nations to get to America. You know that this is about economic migration, and this isn't about political political asylum seekers. Exactly right. And the fact that Mexico provides them that asylum or that uh, amnesty, if you will, and the Mexican government has made that clear, uh, that means they have no basis whatsoever to claim need for asylum in the United States. They have already received right. asylum from the nations uh, that they originated. Uh, Dr. Gorka, let's move on now to your op-ed. And by the way, I do want to talk about your book, Why We Fight Defeating America's Enemies with No Apologies. You write in your op-ed for America, American Greatness about Khashoggi and about not just you know his death, but who he was. He has become almost a folk hero because of the terrible, terrible fate uh, you know that awaited him when he walked into that consulate and, and to be tortured to death, which is what I truly believe happened, perhaps on the order of the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia or not. Nobody deserves that, as you argue in your in your op-ed. But Dr. Gorka, we need to stop you know f- you know uh, embellishing who this individual was and 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 tell the truth about him as a as a confirmed member of the Muslim Brotherhood, which sponsored multiple terror organizations. Right. So first things first, uh, if this man was murdered, if he was tortured, nobody deserves that. Uh, but we need to have fairness and accuracy in the reporting on who this man was. This man wasn't, as the Washington Post has been writing, a champion of democracy and liberty. He joined the Muslim Brotherhood in the 1970s. He was a close friend 
of Osama bin Laden and his family. This is a man who supported theocracy, not democracy. And the idea that we're spending more time on this one story with lots of very suspicious information being reported from Turkish authorities uh, in, in comparison to what the left did with regards to three Americans, including uh, a fourth ambassador murdered in Benghazi, uh, it, it really tells you that when the president says fake news, he's talking about a very, very real phenomenon. Yeah, there's no question about that. And they seem very unified in this, don't they, Doctor? I mean, virtually every agency, not just the Washington Post and CNN, MSC, but, but really everyone. And maybe it's just a, you know, a rational reaction to a horrific death. If indeed the way it went down is the way the Turkish government is telling us they did and he was, he was dismembered perhaps while still alive. Maybe it's just we're going to, we're going to react in such a visceral way because nobody deserves that. And so we're going to look at things a little bit differently. But the way they are, uh, portraying this they they are carrying the water essentially for the you know for the american left uh which the media always does and they are trying to embarrass in my opinion the trump administration by telling him he's not doing enough against saudi arabia what do you mean carrying the water for the american left they are the american left okay right? more than 90 percent of journalists admit to voting democrat or or, or or giving money to democrat candidates so this is this is an absolute echo chamber and it's you know Another reason why why we fight is to shed a light uh, on the the corruptness of the left wing, in, including the media, including the the swamp which Donald Trump is trying to drain. Dr. Gorka, like 95 to 99 percent of, uh, of Americans, I did not read Khashoggi on a regular basis in the Washington Post. So I can't speak to what he wrote about, but uh, I can speak to the way they are glamorizing him. Did you read him uh, very often? And can you can you kind of give me an idea of exactly, you know, was he just in the same mold as the rest of the Washington Post writers, except that he had Saudi status as a Saudi citizen and, uh, uh, and a member of the Brotherhood? Oh, it's worse than that. He was bashing the Saudi regime. He was trying to undermine the reform efforts of uh, the, the current uh, crown prince. But this is a man who clearly had an agenda, was not not a fan of representative democracy or republicanism. But, no, this is, this is a man who is deeply, deeply steeped in the ideology of the Muslim Brotherhood and, and the theocratic tendencies. So, uh, you know, this is, this is not some Jeffersonian champion of democracy. Whatever happened to him, we need to know the facts about who this man was. Dr. Gorka, if it's proven that this was a Saudi hit squad sent by the crown prince, or close to that, what should the Trump administration, the American response be? We all know that we have had a very complicated relationship with Saudi Arabia. They've been our allies, despite the fact that they have been some of the worst human rights violators in the world. Uh, they, you know, the Wahhabism that is practiced so frequently in that country, you know, they cut off hands, they throw gays to their deaths from the tops of buildings, the way ISIS does in other countries. I mean, Saudi Arabia is a very, very unique, uh, has a unique relationship with the United States. We have been reticent, Democrats and Republican administrations, to do anything to break that relationship. But if this can be proven, even though, uh, even though Khashoggi was not a U.S. citizen, he was a U.S. resident or part-time resident, what should the Trump administration be to the kingdom? Well, first things first, we need the facts. We, we don't have any of the facts of what really happened. We have one admission from the Saudis that he did die on the territory of their consulate. 
and that it was the result of some kind of altercation. Well, look, that's not, not plausible. But neither is the fact that, you know, people talk about audio recordings of torture and, and they lie about it, saying that they should on fail as person. No, just wait. Count to ten, take a deep breath, let's get the facts. And there will be some ramifications to Saudi Arabia, probably when it comes to uh, our arms trade with them. But we have to be incredibly cautious. We cannot uh, significantly destabilize that regime because the only people who will profit are the mullahs in Iran and Russia, and that is not good for American interests, and it's not good for our friends either, such as Israel or Jordan. That's a, that's. A, I'm glad you brought up the mullahs in Iran, because that was the next step in all of this. If anybody is just praying and cheering for us and hoping that we, you know, uh, sanction Saudi Arabia in some way, in some way destabilize our relationship with them, it would be the Iranians who would be the first ones to benefit. Right. You know, and, and the left, right. by the way, you know, the, the left condemned the Bush administration for going to war with Saddam and for ousting Saddam because he maintained some sort of stability and kept, uh, kept the Iranians at bay. Uh, and how dare we, uh, you know, get rid of him and then give that much more power to the Iranians in the uh, you know in the region. Same thing, you know. Now it's the opposite here. Now they're telling us to go ahead and 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 uh, you know break our relationship with Saudi Arabia that would give the Iranians that much more power. Yeah, that's why my book, Why We Fight, has the subtitle "Defeating America's Enemies with No Apologies." Think about the eight years of the Obama administration. What did what did the forty fourth president of the United States start his administration with? A global apology tour. He facilitated regimes like Iran. He ignored Russia's invasion of Ukraine. He did nothing as China was building fake islands in the South China Sea to put military bases on. But thank the good Lord, that all ended on January the 20th of 2017. And uh, we have a new commander-in-chief, and he is dealing with the threats to our country, be it Russia, China, Iran, or North Korea. What did you make of the president last night in Houston, Texas, when he described or defined what a globalist is and then declared proudly, I am a nationalist. The, uh, the, the crowd erupted. The crowd erupted, and I'd imagine uh, almost every Republican who was and Trump supporter who was watching that erupted at the same time. He's, with no apologies. I am not the president of the world. I'm the president of the United States. I am a nationalist, and that's what we need in the White House. There are some photographs in my book, Why We Fight, and one of them is a photograph of one of my proudest moments serving in the, in the Trump White House. It's, I'm standing at the back of the, the Rose Garden on that beautiful, sunny day where the president uh, took us out of the absurd Paris climate accord. And there's that one sentence from that speech that tells you everything you need to know about why he's winning. He said, I was elected by the citizens of Pittsburgh to be the president of the United States not by the citizens of Paris. That's the fact of the matter. That is one of my favorite moments as well. Absolutely perfectly stated. Dr. Gorka, before you go, uh, you were an advisor to the president. If you were still in such a role, what would you advise him to do when that caravan reaches our ports of entry? Uh, and I'm not talking about the ones who break off and try to just jump the border, swim the river, or whatever the case might be, but they go to the ports of entry, and they start to make their case for asylum. And we all know that we are not allowed to detain them any longer. A federal judge said so. Even if we do, it's only for 20 days. Then we have to let them loose into the continental U.S., where they will never, ever come back from for their asylum hearings so we're, we're, it's going to be 40, I think there's 14,000 now in the caravan. It could be 25 by the time they arrive here. What would you advise the president to do if you were sitting next to him now? I'd make it even clearer to Mexico and the other countries involved that they are in breach of international law. 
if they don't process these individuals right where they are right now and if they allow them to come to the U.S. border. And there will be consequences in terms of uh, cutting off all aid and the negative ramifications for bilateral relations if any of these countries, including Mexico, allows these individuals to reach our border. That's the message I would send right now. Would you break the new trade agreement we have with Mexico and Canada? Uh, one of the most important messages of the president's book, The Art of the Deal, is never be so wedded to a deal that you're not prepared to walk away with it, walk away from it at any point. Absolutely. That's our leverage. I love that. Dr. Sebastian Gorka, while promoting his own book, manages to uh, reference the president's book. Uh, Dr. Gorka's book is Why We Fight, Defeating America's Enemies with No Apologies. You absolutely need to read that book. Get it on Amazon. Make it number one. It's incredibly important, as is the op-ed that I just cited, uh, the American Greatness op-ed by Dr. Gorka. Doctor, thank you so much for making the time. And once again, thank you for standing up for our sovereignty last night on Fox News uh, when uh, Geraldo Rivera essentially agreed to surrender it. So I certainly appreciate that. Thank you kindly. God bless you and the listeners. And you as well. Thank you. Dr. Sebastian Gorka joining us on AM 1420. The answer, he was tremendous. He was on against uh, Geraldo with uh, Hannity, and Geraldo was essentially arguing for open borders. For I mean, literally, maybe without saying the words open borders, he was saying all of these people have a right to come to the United States because uh, give us your tired, your poor, your hungry, uh, yearning to be free. All, it, it, all of the same typical liberal emotions and feelings nonsense Dr. Gorka just smashed with the hammer of logic and common sense. We'll be right back. E-L-E. All right, 1029, obviously a very short segment here. Uh, thanks again to Dr. Gorka. And apparently he reached a few, few other people as well. Just got a call off the air, I'm told, uh, thanking uh, me for having Dr. Gorka on <clears throat> because he does uh, speak the truth. And I like the, the idea, by the way. I really do. I like the idea that uh, Dr. Gorka had when I said, what would you advise President Trump to do? And he said, put more pressure on the nation where they are now. Don't let them get to the border. That's the advice for President Trump. Put more pressure on Mexico. Tell them to get this thing stopped and get it turned around right now. According to reports, the Mexican police are escorting, escorting the caravan northward. Whereas once, just a few days ago, they tried to stop the caravan at the Guatemalan border. Now they're escorting them northward. Tell the U.S. or tell the Mexican government, rather, that everything is in play, including the trade agreement we just signed, including any aid that we may give to you, including all of the aid that we give to Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala, no more uh, for the Central American nations that are conspiring with Mexico to violate our sovereignty. I think that's great advice. We are guest-free for the last half hour of the program. We have been packed, I know, but this is an opportunity for you. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Dial now. We'll put you on the radio on AM 1420. There are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 1034, the Bob France Authority does continue for another 26 minutes of outstanding awesome. Then we're going to turn it over to Mike Gallagher, 
Prager Medved Secular Elder right here all day, all night on AM 1420, The Answer. I feel like I've been here all day and all night. Oh, by the way, I figured out what I was uh, <laughs> what I was hearing in my head when I was trying to say all day and all night. I meant to say all night, all day. All right, okay. It's a, just a lyric from a door song that uh, I remember from years ago, and it just struck me as I mentioned that I'm going to be on the air tomorrow, all night and all day. For Hugh Hewitt tomorrow morning, our regular show now, or at this time slot, and then for Larry Elder tomorrow night. So uh, it'll be uh, it'll be a marathon of sorts, and I look forward to that very much. I really do. I enjoy this because I get a chance to talk to people like Dr. Gorka. I mentioned to Dr. Gorka about nationalism and how President Trump essentially just just you know laid it all out there last night in his um, uh, campaign rally for Ted Cruz in his Senate fight against Beto O'Rourke. Uh, President Trump just very clearly defined the difference between Democrats and Republicans, between globalists and nationalists, proudly using a term that some people see as having negative connotations. Not that much. <laughs> Not that much. But radical Democrats want to turn back the clock for the rule of corrupt, power-hungry globalists. You know what a globalist is, right? You know what a globalist is. A globalist is a person that wants the globe to do well, frankly, not caring about our country so much. And you know what? We can't have that. You know, they have a word. It sort of became old-fashioned. It's called a nationalist. And I say, really, we're not supposed to use that word. You know what I am? I'm a nationalist, okay? I'm a nationalist. People love that. Nothing since when did becoming or you know did being a nationalist become such a such a negative thing to believe in american exceptionalism to believe in america first i thought dr gorko's response to the question i asked him was perfect He said one of the most proud moments that he ever had when he was working with the Trump administration last year was when the president was talking about the uh, Paris Climate Accord when he pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord. Thank God for another promise kept by the president of the United States. When he announced and said, you know what, I was elected to be president by the people of Pittsburgh, not by the people of Paris. I absolutely agree with uh, Sebastian Gorka. That's exactly what it's all about. He cares about Americans first, and after Americans are taken care of, protected, secured, given opportunities to succeed and survive and thrive, then we can worry about doing things for other nations. Every nation should be concerned with its own people first. That's the other thing, too. It's not like the president is out there saying, you know, America first for us, and oh, by the way, you need to put America first, too. You take care of your folks. We'll take care of our folks. And then we'll do a little bit of business together that can maybe mutually benefit us. But if it's only one way, which is, again, why he's trying to rework so many trade deals, which has led to tariffs, which has led to a trade war, and we know there might be some short-term pain for long-term gain there, but that's why. Because we've been paying the long-term pain or suffering it anyway for a long time. And not anymore. Because America first. There is nothing wrong with saying I'm a nationalist. And the president got a thunderous ovation when he declared it last night in Houston. All right, let me go to Frank, who's calling us from Brook Park on AM 1420, The Answer, 216-901-0945, if you want to get on board as well. Hey, Frank, go ahead. Yes, U.S. Senate race. 
Renacy's making the same mistake that Mike DeWine did 12 years ago against Sherrod Brown, okay? Organizations of, like Planned Parenthood paying, getting money for taboo abortions, Sherrod Brown, he, he accepts that. He supports paying them. Government, should they, should they fine bakers and florists who don't want to celebrate same-sex weather? Sherrod Brown says, yes, they should fine them. Should federal funding be help from sanctuary cities? Sherrod Brown says, we should not withhold the funds from sanctuary cities. He says, no. And both, and Renacy is opposed, of course, to Sherrod Brown. But I haven't heard Renacy saying any of the three things I just said. Okay? Should hope, oh, another one. Should abortion be prohibited once a child, unborn child, heartbeat is detected? Sherrod Brown says, no. Renacy says, yes. But I haven't heard him say it. Well, I, 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 let me, yeah. Well, let me let me let me respond to some of that, Frank. Because I mean, most of those uh, policy uh, positions are are outlined on um, you know their respective websites, and they've been made clear whenever um, organizations like iVoters.com and other. Uh, you know, ballotpedia and other things, and they say, you know, where the candidates stand on the issues of abortion or about sanctuary cities or about immigration, about Social Security, this, that, and the other thing, about the budget, about national debt, yada, yada. Uh, all of these things are usually spelled out pretty clearly, but none of them are the drivers um, of a vote, I don't think, for, for many, no, I shouldn't say none, for some people who are, let's just say, you know, serious pro-lifers may be, to an extent, one-issue voters. And to them, you're right. You want to hear Jim Renacci say, I am 100% pro-life, like you said in the case of, uh, you know, the fetal heartbeat bill, or whether it be, uh, you know, you know from, from the moment of concep- conception, or at least uh, 20 weeks, or, you know, all the very different, you know, different number of bills, the various, uh, you know, Proposals that have been out there to limit access to abortions. Maybe for a for a pure pro life voter, that one issue thing is something you want to hear. You know, Jim Ordacey speak on. Maybe on the flip side, if you are pro Planned Parenthood, you really want to hear Sherrod Brown out there saying, uh, you know, we need to make sure abortion is legal and accessible for all women. But none of those, generally speaking, are thought to be the drivers in this election. In this election, the driving issues for the race are the driving issues for the country. Health care, immigration, which are huge. Both of those are huge, especially with the, with the uh, uh, you know, with the caravan coming right now. It is a huge, huge deal. The economy, you know, Jim Renacy wants to campaign on the economy, which he should. He voted for the tax cuts, which have helped in large part build this 4.3% GDP growth we had in the last quarter. Barack Obama never had a single year of 3% GDP growth. President Trump comes in with 4.3% and going great guns with all kinds of record job numbers and so on and so forth. Fewer people on uh, on uh, food stamps because more people have jobs and money in their pocket. Wages on the way up. Median family home income, huge, record highs. All of these things that are going on, that's what Jim Renacci feels, in my view, is going to reach the most voters. More people care about the state of the economy, more people care about the state of the immigration issue, national security, and so on and so forth, than the social issues that you're talking about. Now, does that mean they shouldn't mention them? Of course not. But in the course of a debate, there's only enough time for a certain number of questions. They haven't been asked questions about that. Um, so I don't know what else, you know, what else that there is to do. But I'm with you. 
I do think he stands for all of the things that you said. I would like to hear more of it. I wish I saw more commercials, and I wish I heard more commercials from uh, Congressman Renacci. But we we haven't. You know, the the funds are not there. Sherrod Brown has way more money on hand than Renacci does, and he can buy all of the campaign ads that he, want, he wants. And, uh, sh- you know, I'm sure if Jim Renacci had an unlimited number of funds like that because he took money from special interest groups like uh, Brown does, I'm sure he'd put plenty of commercials on there advocating uh, for, uh, you know, 20, 20 week bills or fetal heartbeat bills and so on and so forth. But unfortunately, like I said, he's just not that well funded right now. Let's go to uh, Cleveland. Connie, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Connie, go ahead. Hey, hi, Bob. You know, we all know that Hillary stole the election from Bernie, okay? And it really ticked off a lot of these, you know, snowbird socialists. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I'm thinking, why are we not looking into the fact that the Democrats are now saying, you know, voters are being turned away or disenfranchised or whatever it is. Is this another game that they've played before? Why are we not saying, excuse me, you guys are already lied and cheated on the elections in the past. Give us the proof that this is going on. Otherwise, you know, first of all, nip it in the bud. But let's, why are we not investigating the fact that the Democrats have cheated before? Are they going to cheat again? And how did they do it? I, mean, I have no doubt they're going to cheat again. They're Democrats. It's in their nature. It's what they do. And the problem is you and I can, quote, unquote, investigate it and report it. But they don't watch. They don't listen. They don't listen to shows like mine. They don't listen to Hugh Hewitt. They don't listen to Dennis Prager. They don't listen to, you know, Larry Elder, Mark Levin, or anybody else. They want, listen to Huffington, or uh, check out the Huffington Post. They watch MSNBC. They watch CNN. So any proof that we might have that they're cheating because of this, that, or the other, or they're lying about the Republicans cheating, which is their other tactic, um, is going to fall on deaf ears because they don't listen to us anyway. So, you know, we'd be proving it to ourselves, but we're in an echo chamber, and they're just going to continue to use the media to, to advance their, uh, you know, their false statements and their propaganda yeah and i have to agree with you with what you said about um renee that the economy is the issue right now and if you want the economy to grow as it did, as it has under trump in ohio then you need renee that's it that it's that simple if you want it to grow like it has under trump renee your guy period he will he will help take ohio way above than what Brown could ever even imagine. Yeah, I completely concur. Along with more Republicans in that Senate, you know, along with his colleagues, uh, they would absolutely do what is what is best for Ohio and and a lot of other states, obviously as well. Uh, because when you're in the Senate, of course, yes, you want to represent your state and your constituents, but obviously you have to work in unison with the uh, reps or the uh, senators from other states. But yeah, I completely concur. See, here's the thing: Republicans would be wise to make this midterm elections a referendum on the economy, right? This midterm election or these elections should be a referendum on the economy. Why? Because the economy is going great guns. The economy is in terrific shape, and it's in large part due to the tax cuts passed by Republicans. Remember, not one single Democrat voted for them, so they get no credit for this booming economy. You know, one could argue, in fact, one would be right to argue that the economic boom we had in the 90s under Bill Clinton was equally shared by Democrats and Republicans. Sure, Clinton was in office, but it was Newt Gingrich and the Republicans in the House that made it happen with him. So the economic boom in the 90s, a lot of people want to attribute that to Bill Clinton, but the Republicans own just as much of that. 
in the 2010s where we are right now, specifically since the president was elected in 2016, Democrats got no credit because they didn't work with the president on creating this 4.2% economic or 4.3% rather and this incredible joblessness and uh, all of the economic indicators that we've discussed. They voted against all of it. 100% obstructionist all the time. This is all for the Republicans. This is all credit to the Republicans, and they need to make this midterm about that. For the Democrats, they're thinking, what can we do? What can we do in these midterms? How can we convince people that they should throw the Republicans out of power and put us in power? The economy is booming. So they're struggling, and they're searching. And here's what they landed on. Pre-existing conditions. That's it. They're going to refight and relitigate Obamacare. That's their, that's their strategic political plan here, is let's go back to Obamacare. Republicans want to wipe out coverage of people with pre-existing conditions. They are anti-health, uh, you know, uh, essentially. They removed the individual mandate, which was required under Obamacare, in order to raise money to cover people with pre-existing conditions. And now that those people don't have to buy insurance any longer which, by the way, should have been unconstitutional. Um, now there's no money to cover people with pre-existing conditions. They want to wipe people off. So they want to turn this into Republicans are evil. And once again, they're not only trying to, what does Hannity always say at night, roll granny off the cliff, but they also want to let your you know, cancer-stricken child die. You can't get um, health insurance because your kid already has a pre-existing condition, a diagnosis of cancer or this, that, or the other thing. So they're trying to to pivot and don't look at the economy and don't even look at that caravan of people coming forward. Because I think they know that's why they've been so silent. They haven't spoken in favor of the caravan, as I mentioned in my previous guest, Sam Lundberg. They haven't spoken in favor of all of those in the caravan. They're also not arguing um, that they shouldn't be here. They're just being quiet because they don't want you focused on that. Why? It's a loser. It's a loser for them. Moderate voters don't like the idea of America being invaded by 15, 20, 25,000 people. All illegal aliens. Moderate voters might not be in lockstep with Trump and me saying build a wall, but they sure as hell aren't in favor of this massive migration. So the Democrats have to kind of keep that quiet. Don't talk about that. Let's talk about pre-existing conditions. So that's the bottom line. You either vote blue and you vote for open borders, and you vote for higher um, uh, higher taxes, and a slower economy, and for lower wages, and for less manufacturing, and more outsourcing, more globalism, or you vote red, and keep the party in power that has brought you this unbelievable economic growth after the malaise of the Obama years, that has brought you record lows in unemployment rather than record highs in food stamp usage, that returned the United States to the rule of law with respect to our borders, that returned to the United States returned the United States to the leading military superpower in the world after it was gutted under Obama. You either want security, prosperity, and jobs, or you want open borders and violence and mobs. The decision is not that difficult, if you ask me. More calls coming right up on AM 1420, The Answer.
Final segment of the Bob France Authority for this Tuesday morning. Right back to the phones we go. We are, uh, let's see, where are we headed? To TJ, that's where we're headed, to Cleveland. Uh, thanks for your patience, TJ. I know you've been there a while. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, Bob, uh, Trump said something last night, and I haven't heard it on the news or anything, and I think it was really big news, where Merkel in Germany just made a huge deal with us to buy natural gas from us. And that's huge, you know, for our economy and our, you know, our uh, exporting energy, and nothing in the media about it. And, and one other thing about this caravan. You know, Bob, if this caravan makes it to the border, if it gets that far, there's only two things you can do. You can either stop them or allow them in. Allowing them in, that's not a good choice. Now, how do you stop them? Now, you know, the military has the capability of building a wire wall very quickly, and I'm talking Constantino wire, Bob wire. That's what we ought to do. And if they try to breach the wire, now I know you can't use lethal force, but you know what you can use? You can use tear gas maybe high-pressure uh, water hoses, but you got to stop them. You can't allow them in. And to me, the best way, like I said, is built that wall of wire. You know, you can put it up almost in an instant. You can move it anywhere you want. Uh, the only other alternative is to allow them in. And if you do that, you're going to have more and more caravans coming on a regular basis. Well, um, you're right about the more caravans are coming, absolutely. And, but here's the thing, even if you turn them away, uh, I played the audio earlier today, TJ, of uh, one of these caravan members who said, you know what, if they throw us back over and send us back to our, our home country, we're going to turn around and come back again. They're just going to keep on doing it and keep on making the claims. That's their goal. That is what their plan has been all along. And uh, and see what happens. And um, so, so I'm with you about turning them away, but to me, I think what Dr. Gorka said is the right approach here. You have to, very specifically, tell the Mexican government, this is on you. Don't make us use tear gas on our border. I don't know if we can do high-pressure water cannons out down there, by the way. I don't know how many hydrants there are or how many pumper trucks we're going to be able to bring down to the border in the middle of those desert conditions. But you understand my point. I don't know. We shouldn't have to do that. We shouldn't have to deal with that. You deal with it. Keep them away from your border. Keep them within your you know, borders or... The deal is off. The trade deal is off. Any aid that we send you is off. The aid that we send to Honduras is already going to be canceled and so on and so forth. We have to de-incentivize or, excuse me, disincentivize them from, uh, you know, from allowing them to come to our border and putting this in our hands in the first place. Esther in Cleveland. Go ahead, Esther. Thanks. First, uh, on Salem, I heard it's not just the flag waving, but there was a report, report yesterday that they're saying, long live Honduras. I think that what they mean is viva Honduras, viva Guatemala. I think with the violence, I'm concerned, and some other people are concerned, this might turn into Kent State. Second, the impact... Not only voting- that, not only that, not only are they doing viva Honduras and everything else, they're also chanting against Donald Trump. They're chanting about, I mean, negative things about the president. This is, they want to come to this president's country and say, save us and give us opportunities, and yet they are ripping him. I, I mean, honestly, it's just, it's beyond the pale for them to actually say, we hate your leader, let us in. We hate your leader, let us in. And that's what they're doing. Go ahead. I hadn't heard that second uh, impact of voting. First, uh, 2008, uh, Obama, and then 2009, 2010, behind the scenes, we've got these 35 uh, organizations trying to become non-profits then 2012 part of that election i think was stolen i heard uh, i think it was 48 percent for romney 52 for for obama but uh, i heard that half of registered republicans didn't even vote so you've got the combination of activists who could not help so uh, and the uh republic 
Republicans did not come out to vote, so maybe the 2012 second term was kind of a stolen, a stolen presidency for Obama. I, I think that's a fair way to look at it. Esther, I thank you so much for the phone call. Let me go to Steve next. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, Steve. Hi, Bob. Uh, thank you. Hey, I think President Trump needs to get on television and make the case to, to, to the entire nation, just not the people who are on his Twitter feed and people who listen to programs like yours, uh, because it's missing a, a large segment of the population. And I definitely agree that they need to be stopped in Mexico, because if they get in over to the U.S. border, it's a no-win situation for uh, President Trump and the American people. And I, I think a big, I've been pushing this idea for a couple years, um, the president needs to tell Mexico, we are going to close down half of your uh, consulate in the United States if they enter the, uh, the U.S. And a lot of those counselors, frankly, they should be closed down anyway. Steve, uh, Steve, listen, Steve, I'm, I'm up against the music here, sure. which means the end of the show. But listen, uh, I just realized I saw the uh, note here, your Ohio Jobs and Justice. This is Steve Salvi. Steve, call me back tomorrow in the first hour so you don't get cut off. You have a lot of important things to say, and I want to hear them. So thank you, Steve. God bless. Appreciate the call. Everybody else I left on hold, my apologies. But we are out of time. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher's coming up next on AM 1420, The Answer. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.